Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. I'm Ben Felder with The Oklahoman. I'm here in The Oklahoman's podcast studios in our downtown newsroom. And joining me this week is Councilwoman Meg Sawyer of Ward 6 here in Oklahoma City. And uh, Councilwoman, at least for a couple of weeks, or well, one week. One week. One week. Uh, thanks for your time. Welcome. I'm really happy to be here. I love being in this downtown studio. Uh, we, we are here in your ward. The heart Absolutely. The heart of your ward, which includes downtown Oklahoma City. And uh, bringing you in, as you say, one week left in your tenure, which began in 2008, right? Yes, it was an unusual timing because I filled an unexpired term that Ann Symhick uh, had completed. She resigned uh, when her son became a firefighter. And so there was a two and a half year term to fill. And so my election was actually um, November of 2008. Okay. So a, a decade on the council, that's a significant amount of time in representing one, you know, all the wards are important. So not to say that one's more important than the other, uh, but the ward that includes downtown Oklahoma City, which has transformed quite a bit uh, during your tenure. I want to start you with this question. I mean, your impact in the city is, is not just on the council. You're, you're a business owner and, and has been involved in some other ways. Um, what do you feel like is your defining legacy as a councilwoman um, as you as you prepare to leave the bench here? If I'm quick uh, and a little flip, it might be the quiet zone. <laughs> okay, explain that. Yeah. You know, that really was a big deal. Um, the railroad, because we had so many at-grade railroad crossings downtown, mm-hmm. um, the engineers are required to uh, sound their horn a mile or so before they get to one of those intersections. And because we had seven or eight in the span of 16th Street down to 23rd Street on the yeah. south side, that horn would blow <laughs> yeah. continuously. Yeah. I believe we have 44 trains that run that corridor every day, and we could time our phone calls to know you know, when yeah. this thing was going to blow. My office is a block and a half away, and um, virtually everybody I talk to on the phone, you know, on a conference call would know they were in Oklahoma City because you could just hear that horn blow. So um, it took almost eight years to accomplish creating what they, the Railroad Commission calls a sealed railroad corridor, mm-hmm. where by virtue of either closing intersections, modifying the bars that come down so people can't drive around them, yeah. or putting medians in the street so that people can't drive around, um, uh, they're able to close the corridor and therefore not have to blow the whistle. So we created this corridor in downtown that really exists from um, Western and Britain all the way down to Southeast 23rd Street. Yeah, and that's one of those things that people don't talk about as much anymore, and that's the point. Right, exactly. (laughs) They don't know that the 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 train is going through it. But, But what you do see now is this incredible amount of development happening on the side streets. Mm -hmm. You know, I always knew that Broadway was obvious, and when the Metropolitan was built, Oklahoma became very obvious. But 8th Street, 9th Street, Mm -hmm. uh, 12th Street, uh, 11th Street, where Oklahoma Contemporary is going, the activity that's happening on those connectors is exploding. We've got you know, tap rooms and breweries and restaurants, yeah. and it's amazing. That's a great example of kind of just the, the the practicalness of city council, of municipal government. I mean, when you talk about an elected official's kind of legacy, it's easy to kind of get caught up in, you know, vision casting and, and, and you know, symbolic shifts. And those things can be very important and do want to talk about that. Um, but those things that seem kind of simple, like a quiet zone, um, definitely, you know, puts a footprint on, on your ward and on the city. And, and it wasn't simple and it wasn't yeah, cheap. No, yeah. And, and it required a public-private partnership. So all the things that we do that are big or small, you know, another 
legacy um, that was not just mine but is so important for the city was the creation of the Westtown campus and the Resource Center over at 4th in Virginia. And as I was discarding files the other day in my office, I was reminded that, you know, that happened in 2009. Um, people, Many people won't remember, but for years the city had had a day shelter called Rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the wake of the aftermath of the bombing and the kind of redirection of all nonprofit dollars at mm-hmm. that period in our history to uh, victims and survivors. Um, rest went out of business, if you will, in, in um, 1997. And so we had this gap in services being able to be provided that lasted until 2008. And we remember going into the recession, remember the Obama administration providing stimulus dollars in our very creative planning department was able to uh, reach out to the federal administration and ask if we could apply a certain amount of those dollars to the recreation of the West Ham campus and the day shelter. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that's another important piece of a puzzle dealing with a very difficult problem that occurred um, during the time I've been able to serve. Yeah. So so why did you decide this was the time to exit the council? Why not seek re-election? Well, I, I think, um, Ben, we really, I feel as if we've sort of put everything in a box and tied it up with a bow and are handing it to this next generation of leadership. I joined the council as we were beginning the conversation with the citizens about MAPS 3, if we were going to have one and what that might look like and what mm-hmm. projects would be included. Um, you know, we were able to successfully put a package together that citizens voted on. One of the most exhilarating nights was that December 09 yeah. vote when the citizens approved the package and then the hard work started of actually executing on those projects. We started with little ones um, because uh, ever, hopefully everybody remembers that we can't begin a project until we have the money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And so we started with sidewalks and trails and have built up over the 10 years to completing, working on and completing the last three big projects, which would be the streetcar, the park, and the convention center. Um, so one of the things I wanted to wait for was for the bid to come in on the convention center. Last big project, wanted to make sure we could fulfill the citizens' expectations of what we had promised. And you know, lo and behold, the bid came in $20 million under budget which provides this unique opportunity to do some extra things like Union Station and extra streetcars and work down in the the Boathouse District. So, you know, that was a big accomplishment. Um, And the other thing that seems slow and incremental, and I know it has been, but every single year that I've served on the council, we've been able to do something to enhance bus transit. Um, You know, I go back to the very beginning, we hired a consultant. That doesn't sound very glamorous, but we hired a consultant to help us look at how we could improve headways and clarify. We had bus routes that would meander through neighborhoods. And now we've taken advantage of the city's street grid and the buses run on grids. It's easier to understand and it is quicker and more efficient. And from that jumping off point, we were able to Every time we added money, we were able to add buses or add routes. We expanded Saturday bus service. We added night service. And finally, this last budget cycle, we were able to add Sunday service. And that was sort of the icing on the cake for me. Um, And so I feel as if um, we've accomplished a tremendous amount. We've completed a lot of things that I personally 
set out and was involved yeah. with. And as we're beginning this conversation about MAPS 4 and where the community goes from here, I didn't feel like it was fair or sensible to be involved in the front end of the conversation if it was unlikely to be there to see it through to completion. Yeah. Well, you talk about kind of, uh, you know, handing on the baton to the next generation, and that storyline has been played up a lot because, you know, you do have a couple new members onto the council who are of, an, of a new generation, uh, including here in, in Ward 6, uh, Jo Beth Hammond, who's the councilwoman-elect. You know, she had a campaign that really kind of ran on um, kind of, uh, you know, Social social service focus, I, I suppose you could say, a transit, you know, things that you did talk about as well. But there did seem to be this kind of, and this is kind of natural when someone's not running, and, and then there's an open seat that someone talks about, you know, you know, improving and, and going a better direction. How did you take that campaign? Did you see that as kind of a, did you see it as kind of a criticism of of your time? Did you just see it as kind of the natural next step? I mean, I'm curious what what was going through your mind as you were kind of watching this race for your for your seat. I think I'd like to characterize it as a natural next step. You know, we've really um, executed a tremendous amount of uh, work that needed to happen in downtown, and you've heard me talk before about you know if the city is a body with appendages. The downtown is clearly the heart, and when I joined the council, we were flatlined. Downtown was barely breathing, and people may disagree with me about this, and many do, but I don't believe you can have a vibrant city without having a vibrant downtown, and I do also believe that the young generation of leaders that are following us are as concerned about placemaking and uh, live work play space and walkability and transit as were we when we put maps three together i mean the elements that we're talking about now are all part of what was maps three so i think it's a natural extension we've um we've built a city you know and i and i even go back to sort of my i've been in oklahoma city for 35 years and working with city leaders, working with the chamber, working with the business community, we all spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do we build a city that young people want to stay in Mm -hmm. and that young people will come to. You know, we've discussed for years the fact that um, you used to have to go move somewhere to find the job you want. Today, you move somewhere to where you want to live because of all these things we've talked about, and then you find a job or you create a job. And so we're, we're really living in a different world today. And um, so I, I, I do just think that the focus on um, issues that are of critical importance to our community, and we have been working on them, um, it, it's just, it takes, I guess one, one uh, way to explain this is it takes dollars mm-hmm. to do all these things. And I have often viewed my role on the council as trying to make the pie bigger so that we have more resources to tend to the full spectrum of things that we do. Yeah. I suppose if you're going to build a city that's more inclusive where you have more young residents moving in, you're going to, it's going to naturally breed new stakeholders, you know, new candidates, and they may have different ideas or, or may have a different view of looking at it, but that's just well, kind of how It's the exactly works. what yeah. we wished for. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we've intentionally uh, created this environment. And so, you know, I have said in some of these discussions over the course of the last couple of weeks, I'm incredibly excited about the future and the opportunities. I do remain hopeful that new leadership will also reflect back and remember that 
Oklahoma City hasn't always been like this. And it took a tremendous amount of hard work and collegiality uh, and collaboration to get where we are. And um, momentum is a fragile thing. And so, you know, I think, um, I hope everybody's mindful of that. Yeah. Your ward also includes um, south of the river, uh, a Capitol Hill neighborhood. Um, it's easy for downtown to get a lot of attention. I think sometimes you get, you know, that's you hear that from from, from people. Um, what what were, talk about the south of the river, the south side a little bit. What what did you feel like you were able to get done during your time, and, and what's left to get done, and where would you where would you like things to, to move forward? Well, the, Ben, there's a lot to get done, but I, I do think we've accomplished a lot. And I maybe just for your listeners, the demographics of Ward Six are really interesting. You know, we have eight wards in the city. Ward 6 is the smallest geographic ward. It's only 18 square miles, uh, as opposed to some that are 120 or 140 square miles. But it's the most densely populated. It is almost exactly 50-50 divided between uh, Hispanic and Caucasian. It's the poorest, and it's the youngest, which are all really interesting statistics. Mm -hmm. And it was... um, a challenging ward to represent because of div- very diverse and divergent needs and issues. But things that I care about a lot um, that occur in South Oklahoma City, you know, economic development, revitalization of Capitol Hill, rebuilding of housing stock, you know, those kinds of things are beginning to percolate. I would say that for me personally, the most encouraging thing that I've seen and been able to participate in is the growing young leadership and growing female leadership in the Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll just point to a couple of examples, but uh, Brenda Hernandez um, is my appointee to the Better Streets, Safer Cities board. So, you know, she's directing um, millions and millions of dollars of our penny sales tax and helping to identify projects in Ward 6, many of which are south of the river. Uh, Miriam Campos uh, serves as my uh, Ward 6 representative on the um, Citizens Committee for Community Development. That group looks at all of our HUD dollars. That's $20 million or more of federal programming that comes through the city to be used to you know, help um, in disadvantaged Senate. Sen- census track neighborhoods um you know we've got hopefully uh, gloria torres remaining on the school board um and i I could name many many more but um a group of women that were super supportive of me and you know would get together to try to address issues anytime we needed to and so i see this um sort of burgeoning uh, leadership helping to come along right with us uh, as we going to this next generation. Yeah. Any um, any big regrets or anything that you feel like you would have liked to have got done if you if you were to go back in 2008 and know that you were going to be on the council for a decade? Is there something that you said, man, this is something I, I definitely want to get done that maybe didn't that you feel like, uh, or at least is maybe not as far along as you would have liked? Oh, Ben, that's hard. Um, you know, I guess there are always things that I know that we could have done better. Um, and many of them have to do with financial mm-hmm. constraints. Um, I, I do, you know, really think that the city, uh, over I, what I have learned over the last 10 years is how um, wonderful and 
responsible the city staff is at managing our resources. And, you know, I think a lot of times people don't uh, focus on um, the way our general fund is divvied up. Mm-hmm. And City of Oklahoma City has a general fund budget of about $400 million, two-thirds of which goes to public safety. And so we've got a third of $400 million, so 120 $130 million, to do everything else that everybody wants us to see. Not that public safety isn't the most important and the most visible, because clearly it is. And we've got the best public service officers uh, and firefighters, I think, of any city in the country. But um, could we have done better on streets and potholes and infrastructure things? Sure, we could have. But we realized it and addressed it with better streets and safer cities. So um, we've got challenges, um, you know, as we're moving forward, uh, conversations about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. The the flip side of all this amazing um, growth and development and placemaking opportunities and building neighborhoods is that you know, we have created um, an environment where it's challenging for some of those with lesser means. So uh, I don't have any big regrets. It's more or less that there was a lot more, there is a lot more work to do. And I'm excited for folks to take the baton and run with what the next 10 years looks like. Yeah. How has your, how have you changed in the last 10 years? Or how has your perspective changed? Uh, maybe you would say it hasn't, but. I, oh, I mean, no. My, my perspective has changed uh, tremendously. I have learned so much, and and it it would take up six of these podcasts (laughs) to talk to you about about the things I've learned. But, you know, the first and foremost would be the importance of listening and trying to, you know, and really being clear that a room of super smart people, all with good intentions, have very big differences of opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. Um, The second thing you know, I think is how um, words really matter. And um, it's easy to be misinterpreted or Mm -hmm. to make a mistake. Um, I'm going to go back on something you just asked me and say, is there anything I regret? And one of those is that in trying to work on um, the homeless issue and how we deal with um, respecting and solving people's problems, the use, um, my use of the word panhandling when we were trying to solve some problems is something I regret. That really was not, I was trying to create some distinctions between those that have a business mm-hmm. um, and those that are truly in need. And you're kind of referring to the time when there was a, the, the when conversation we were, about panhandling at y- yes. intersections. When we were working on the media and safety ordinance. Yeah. and. And it, it became very polarizing, and um, a lot of people, I, I believe, misinterpreted um, where I was trying to go with this. I had a real education in that, and I would like to publicly thank Rania and Whitley O'Connor um, for helping. Um, they have with become very good friends, and um, I so appreciate the work that the curbside's doing. It's making a huge difference, and so Rania helped me um, you know, learn how to walk into a camp, how to confront people in um, difficult situations, how to begin conversations, how to try to get help. And I have been uh, really welcomed um, by many in the community and created 
some partnerships that I hope I'll be able to continue. Yeah. As, as we kind of wrap up here in this, this episode, um, I want to see get your thoughts a little bit on, you know, you're leaving the council, so is as Councilman Shadid, the War II Councilman. And I, and I think that's just kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? Because I think you, I think you could make the case um, that, um, you know, you both have, ha- have left your, your, your stamp on the city in a variety of ways. Um, and, uh, and you're both leaving, you know, kind of passing the baton, so to speak, to, to, that, to that next generation. Yet you are probably very different in a lot of ways. I mean, you probably would tell me, hey, we're probably, we have some similarities, and, and I know you guys shared some words, uh, some kind words last week. At I'm that smiling kind of, because yeah. I knew you were going to try to get somewhere with this. <laughs> I'm just kind of, reflect on um, what was your relationship like with, with Councilman Shadid? And, I mean, I, I don't mean to paint you guys as, as at odds, Um you know, often, you know, and Shadid has been in the studio several weeks ago for kind of a similar exit interview, if you will, um, you know, talking about his role. But how did you, what was your relationship like with, with Councilman Shadid? And what are your thoughts on just kind of his tenure? Um, 2010, I believe, is when he was elected. But, you know, so almost as long. As well, Ben, you, you know, you highlight the fact that we do have some different opinions about things. And um, it really goes to the point I made earlier about very smart people may completely disagree. Uh, mm-hmm. Councilman Shadid is one of the brightest people I've had the chance to work with, and a, a lot of good ideas. Um, and when I was reflecting on this, you know, of course, over the course of the last few weeks, and I mentioned it the other day, is the Boulevard Project, I think is substantially better than it started out um, on the drawing board, specifically because the two of us were able to work together. Mm-hmm. We agreed it wasn't good. We agreed we needed to hire some consulting people. We agreed that we needed to take more time to talk about this and get input and ultimately compromised you know, to something that um, I think virtually every property owner along the boulevard is cheering the results. And um, so, you know, an area that we disagreed about fairly regularly was um, the use of TIF dollars mm-hmm. in development. and. Um, I respect his argument, but I respectfully disagree. I think uh, the success of the um, districts that we've created and the development surrounding it, you know, this downtown TIF Mm -hmm. is affectionately known as TIF 2. It has produced more revenue because it has produced so much more development than we ever anticipated with those dollars flowing back into the school system, into the library system, and at the wrap-up of 25 years, all of those entities will be the beneficiary of tremendous new revenue streams where development wouldn't have happened but for mm-hmm. that progress. Um, you know, I also believe in um, providing incentives where needed in order to close a deal. Um, you know, my idea, again, as I said, about making the pie bigger we need to bring jobs here. We need to create opportunities for people. And if we're competing against folks that offer those same types of things, um, I think we, we're we part of the process. Now, the game may be changing, and we may not need to do that so much anymore. But to keep Oklahoma City um, growing and vibrant and creating jobs and creating opportunities for people to start businesses, I, I think that's a big part of our responsibility 
um, on the council. So you think you think incentives are, are still a very viable tool for the city to be using forward? Because well, critics would say that you know when you talk about TIF, that yes, when you started out, you're trying to spur development. Now you know, Oklahoma City's downtown would not necessarily be an example of a you know wouldn't appear to be a neighborhood in need of incentive. It's it's project by mm-hmm. project, Van, okay. and and it's you know fits that but for test. So. You know, we can use all sorts of examples. Um, one of my favorite places to go after work these days is in the Main Street Arcade. That project would never have happened had it not been for the availability of TIF dollars. And, you know, it gets a little bit mechanical, but um, the legislation that allows for TIFs allows the city to use ad valorem tax, which are property taxes, to um, pay for the development mm-hmm. costs. We don't, cities don't get access to ad valorem dollars except through that kind of a special me- mechanism. Our budget, municipal budget, is exclusively focused on ta- sales tax revenues. So to have a mechanism in place where we can find an additional source of revenue that we wouldn't have otherwise to help fund development that builds the base of property taxes going forward, I think is a great tool. Yeah. Finally, what is uh, what is your post-council career going to look like in terms of your involvement, if any, in terms of, you know, the city's continued, uh, you know, move forward? Right. Well, I'm certainly not going anywhere. Oklahoma yeah. City's my home, and I consider myself incredibly fortunate to live here. I do still have two full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. I own a staffing company and do some real estate development. I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't do some things in that arena Mm -hmm. that I haven't been able to do while I've been serving on the council, but I still serve on a number of boards, uh, corporate and nonprofit boards, and I will probably pick and choose a little bit more carefully, but I certainly intend to be engaged in the city's growth and um, look forward to working with you and others to keep us moving forward yeah elected office uh days over or elected if, uh, office oh. days over, <laughs> over officially a hundred percent officially yeah well uh meg sawyer councilwoman um for another week um thank you so much for your time and taking uh, uh for this conversation kind of looking back at your tenure appreciate it ben thanks yeah, for having congratulations me congratulations on, on on your career and, and your retirement thank you so much thank you i really appreciate it well that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the political state podcast you can find this and each and every episode on your favorite podcasting app we're also on youtube and newsok.com for the oklahoman i'm ben felder thanks for joining us we'll see you next week for another episode of Political State.